welcome to In Between the Tech. Today, we're wrapping up Mauser's look at Wi-Fi 7. Carlos Cordero, Intel Fellow, Wireless CTO of the Client Computing Group of Intel Corporation, and Chairman of the Wi-Fi Alliance, sits down with Mauser to share his thoughts on this technology and the opportunities for engineers in this space. Listen as he shares his unique perspective on Wi-Fi 7. Carlos, thanks for joining us. Tell me, how did you come to join the Wi-Fi Alliance? The Wi-Fi Alliance, it's really the leading alliance today in the industry that brings, that defines what Wi-Fi is. It isn't the Wi-Fi Alliance that as an industry with almost 800 members that we all come together defining the requirements of the Wi-Fi technology and what the users have come to uh, use and love for two dozen years. And my involvement in the Wi-Fi Alliance started actually 10 years ago. We started uh, back in the day with my involvement around what today we come to know as Wi-Fi 5, uh, based on 11AC, and then in Wi-Fi 6. I also was very involved, actually, even more than these technologies on the definition of something that we've come to know as wireless gigabit technology, YGIG which is uh, essentially a technology that operates in the uh, millimeter wave, specifically the 60 gigahertz uh, frequency band. And uh, for the past 10 years, I've been working on that alliance in different roles. I also have the benefit of being appointed by my employer Intel Corporation as to the board of the Wi-Fi Alliance. And I've been serving for almost a year and a half, it's gonna be two years early next year, as the chairman of the board of the Wi-Fi Alliance. That has a separate, distinctive role when it comes to my involvement as an Intel employee. But I've had the pleasure to be involved in a great alliance that we are really working with all of the members uh, to make sure that we are bringing the best technologies to market when it comes to Wi-Fi. That is not just the technologies that are that users see it, but there's so many things that happen under the hood uh, to make sure that we have the best certification and testing and interoperability, and that's really where the industry comes together to define what today users think it's so easy, right? Wi-Fi just collects and just works, but so much work that happens under the hood to make sure that users experience, you know, the seamless and easy and secure connectivity that Wi-Fi provides. Given your depth of involvement in Wi-Fi 7, what aspect of the technology are you most excited about? And where do you see the biggest impact between Wi-Fi 6 and Wi-Fi 7? Wi-Fi 7 is really a major evolution in the Wi-Fi technology. It not only brings greater speeds and feeds to Wi-Fi, but it actually improves in other angles, right? In other uh, dimensions compared to previous Wi-Fi technologies. So one aspect that makes me very excited about Wi-Fi 7 is, in fact, and that ability to deliver greater speeds and be able to serve a greater number of users, applications that have more and more increased demand. So if you think about gaming applications, my kids, for example, you know, they always want to play games and make sure that you, know, you can achieve that single digit millisecond latency, which is so important for so many games. Or whether you are in this video conference that we are right now, right? And you know, having this podcast where we want to make sure that the voice packets, they get the right priority so that packets can be transmitted to this cloud server and therefore things are on time. Or whether you are having virtual reality, right? I mean, there are so many people now that are using VR, AR games and content and making sure that you have the 
traffic being prioritized and being delivered at the right time. So I'm really excited about all these features in Wi-Fi 7. And there is one particular feature that I think it can deliver to many of these uh, metrics, which is one called the multi-link operation. So multi-link operation is essentially the ability that Wi-Fi now has to manage multiple links at the same time. And let me just define a little bit more by what we mean about the link, because I think a lot of people will probably be a bit confused unless I explain that. So in legacy Wi-Fi technology, what I mean by legacy is previous generations, right? Wi-Fi 6 and below. Whenever you connect to an access point, you're always connecting on a particular band and channel. So if you pay attention how you connect your laptop to your access point when you're in your home or your phone to access point, you're always looking for that Wi-Fi network and you're always trying to connect. And then you connect to that access point. Your connection is associated with a given frequency channel and on you know, a given band that the access point operates. And whenever you want to move your connection, whenever you want a client wants to go from one channel to another, or the access point wants to move a client from one channel to the other, the client has to go to a complete reassociation, right? So you essentially lose all the state information that you had from the pre prior connection, and then your new connection, you know, have to establish everything from a new. And you know, from the access point side, right? The access point again, these are two separate. Now, even though you may see that you have a network in the 2.4 gigahertz band and another one in the 5 gigahertz band, those are different networks, both from the access point and from the client side. And that's roughly what we define as a link, right? That's connecting 2.4 gigahertz and 5 gigahertz in those channels. That is what we define as a link. A link is more generic, it can even be two channels also in the same band. So two channels in the 5 gigahertz band, for example. And also, even in the 6 gigahertz band, you know, the new frequency band that has been recently allocated for unlicensed operation in the U.S. and in many countries around the world. So now, with this going back to the feature for Wi-Fi 7, which is called multi-link operation, what essentially it does is that it allows the access point now to manage these multiple links seamlessly. So now, whereas before, I could only talk to one client on one channel, with Wi-Fi 7 now, I can essentially talk to different clients or even the same client on multiple links simultaneously or basically doing some sort of time division, quickly moving a client from one channel to another seamlessly. And without disrupting, without having to redo your connectivity like you would do in the Wi-Fi 6, for example, in older technologies. You know, talk to the client, move that client quickly and seamlessly from one link to another, from 2.4 gigahertz to 5 gigahertz, from 5 gigahertz to 6 gigahertz, in a very seamless manner. And doing so basically gives us so many more flexibility now because you can use that to achieve those single digit millisecond latencies that we are talking about for gaming. Because now, essentially, now I have more chances to basically transmit because instead of just being tied to one particular link, to one particular channel, I now have the flexibility to choose whatever channel becomes available first. So that decreases my access to the channel. Therefore, I can get that packet, that gaming packet, that voice packet, that video packet. I can get that across more quickly. I can use those different links to also increase my capacity because now I can use multiple links at the same time 
And I can use that for more robustness because I can even send the same packet across multiple links and therefore increase the reliability of the network if that's the need for the application. So there's so many flexibility now that Wi-Fi 7 is going to bring. So it's really a major stepping stone from Wi-Fi 6, which it's the current generation. You know, there's so many things that are you know, happening around Wi-Fi 6. But Wi-Fi 7 is really going to bring a major boost that's going to allow developers and users to experience so much more from Wi-Fi. You mentioned several industries, but do you see a specific industry embracing Wi-Fi 7 more than others? Yeah, so that's a great question. Different generations of Wi-Fi, if I just look at it historically, the adoption has, of course, been different by different industries. We always see, for example, the retail market be one market that quickly adopts Wi-Fi. Whenever you have a new generation, we immediately start to see retail access points that are supporting the latest and greatest generation Wi-Fi. We do expect that to happen also with Wi-Fi 7. So you have those retail, those high-end access points that will serve gamers, as one example, mostly tailored towards you know, home users, people that are the ones that are the what we call the prosumers, right? the, the professional consumers that are always looking for the latest and greatest in technology. But at the same time, the volumes in those markets, they're not significant. When it really gets to more significant volumes when it comes to Wi-Fi, I think we mostly look at two segments. One being the enterprise segment, which is a major segment. If you look around your office environment, I bet you that you can use Wi-Fi all over whenever you go to different offices or the airports, right? Airport lounges or coffee shops, right? You always see Wi-Fi in those places. And I think for Wi-Fi 7, enterprises will be one major driving force, especially because of the refresh cycle that the enterprises go through actually happens to coincide with the availability of Wi-Fi 7 devices. So I think we can expect to see the enterprise market adopting you know, in larger volumes Wi-Fi technology. And then you have also the other market segment of Wi-Fi, which is homes. I mean, our homes, our houses where we use Wi-Fi for everything. Just imagine how many Wi-Fi devices you had in your house five years ago. And in just five years, how many more devices you have today that are connected over Wi-Fi. So service providers, the one that actually bring connectivity to your house, those are you know, definitely a large market segment for Wi-Fi, just for the sheer number of homes, of course, not just in US, but I'm really talking broadly around the world. That market tends to be a market that they, they're not the first one to launch the new generation, right? Because they have to go through major validation and testing and making sure that the technology works smoothly for the customer for the end customer. Enterprise customers, they already have an IT department. After the retail, right, enterprises tend to have the adoption in a larger volume, followed by the operators, right? Because they have to do so much more extensive testing to make sure that the end user, right? My mom is in Brazil right now, and then and she's happy that whenever she buys her access point, that it works, right? She has not, doesn't have to do anything. Just replace it, she plugs it in and she works. And that's the type of experience that cable operators, they need to provide to their users. And so they naturally take longer to be able to validate. It's about security. It's about interference because you have many access points. It's about just making sure that legacy devices, right? Because sometimes you replace your access point but you still have that old thermostat, that old Wi-Fi device that you know you take so much longer to replace. 
Now, you need to make sure as someone that is deploying those you know, new access points in homes, that those devices can, they can still connect, even though you are replacing that with the latest and greatest technology, right? You don't want a consumer to be calling operators and every time that you replace a device to say, hey, you, know, you have to send somebody here because this is not working anymore. So we do see, again, retail enterprises and the mass market of operators deploying Wi-Fi roughly in that order. We know the rollout date for Wi-Fi 7's release has pushed a few times with it now being early 2024. Do you think this will delay its adoption? Well, I don't think so. I mean, I think that there have been already... So there are a few things that have announcements from certain vendors of Wi-Fi 7 devices, right? You have seen probably some of those already in the market. When it comes to certified devices, what I mean by that, you're going back to your first question on the Wi-Fi Alliance, right? Which is where all these members come together and we define the requirements, we define what 5, 6, and 7 in this case is. We do expect to see certification around the Wi-Fi 7 coming out by the time frame that you just mentioned. We don't see that shifting from our perspective. And I think a lot of the adopters of this technology were already working with this time frame in mind. And so I do see that we are on time. I do see that there's already a lot of work happening across the industry with these various segments that we talked about to make sure that the Wi-Fi 7 technology is validated and it's along the process of getting that to market and getting that to users, whether that is, again, consumers, they usually adopt first or enterprises next, right? That the work has already started to make sure that next year we're going to be able to enjoy this technology in our own laptops and phones and access points and enterprises over time, of course. That's how the rollout happens. We've talked about retail and enterprise. What new applications or use cases does Wi-Fi 7 bring? In addition to those applications, I wanted to call out a few other things which I think are important. So today, people do a lot of video conferencing. Wi-Fi with that MLO feature with wider channels, we actually double the channel from 160 to 320 megahertz with high order modulation. That in itself will help a lot of these use cases that we talked about, whether that's gaming and video conferencing, because now we can essentially imagine now we're doing this video conference. If I am now talking to my access point on one link, let's say that's 2.4 gigahertz or 5 gigahertz, and then suddenly my kid starts playing his game on his bedroom and the traffic that he's sending somehow is causing some congestion in the network and I cannot send my video packet at the same time that he's. So, well, the access point now with the client, the client can be smart enough to say, well, you know, hold on now. I can move from one link to the other dynamically in the order of microseconds to then send that packet on another link. So that capability now, which is really exciting from Wi-Fi 7 perspective, is going to enable those use cases that we already know to work better because now it's going to be so much more flexibility now in the way that packets can be sent across between access points and clients. And that allows us something that I really like to call deterministic operation. And this is really a key thing that I believe Wi-Fi 7 will be of immense help. Many times today, you don't need the five gigabits per second, the fastest link. Many applications, rather, they need deterministic and reliable link. Something that whenever I have a packet to send, look, I don't send packets very often, but whenever I have to send something, I just want to make sure that the network is available for me. 
So it's where deterministic cooperation is really important. It's being able to provide a given latency. So if you need to send data within, say, 10, 20 milliseconds, the network needs to guarantee with a certain reliability, whether that is 99.99%, that whenever you have a packet, you will be able to send that packet within that amount of time. That is something that really excites me about Wi-Fi 7. It really does open up these industrial IoT, for example, and other segments. So think about healthcare, not the healthcare of you going to a healthcare uh, establishment and being able to use that gas network. I'm not talking about that, right? I'm really talking about devices that in your bedside monitor, for example, that could be connecting that actually today they do connect, right, over wireless. But now you can offer that level of guarantees. I said, look, you can get that packet with a five nines, with four nines, or how many nines, depends on the application needs. And you can send that packet with a given reliability in that short window of time that you need to deliver a packet. And the reason that Wi-Fi 7, by the way, helps with that is because it's multi-link operation. This ability now to know, I, can, I don't just look at one channel now. I look at multiple channels, multiple links. And whatever is available first, so even if you have something that is congested in one place, that something happens in one place and then because there are other people using it, I can grab another channel and I can make sure that I send your packet on another channel. So that gives that statistical multiplexing across multiple uh, links that will help you to be able to get your packet across with a given latency and a given reliability. And so there are so many usages, right? Going back, right, in addition to our video conference and playing a game and the traditional office environment that people are with voice calls and people use Wi-Fi calls, and you know, I'm sure many of you have used. But it opens up these other usages that, by the way, many of them are served by Wi-Fi today, but they are not, they cannot be offering that level of reliability determinism that Wi-Fi 7 can now bring to the table that before we could not. I'm excited for the rollout of Wi-Fi 7, but what comes after Wi-Fi 7? What improvements can be made for future releases? Being as someone that works very close to technology, I cannot sit here and not tell you that we are not already thinking about the next generation and that we are already thinking about, hey, how we can improve this and what are the various areas that we can do better. So a few years ago, we started a process within Intel to actually look at what we called wireless 2030. And we, we started, we actually did, you know, about three years ago. The whole idea was and to look at how wireless is going to change by year 2030. I mean, what are the new trends? What are the new experiences? How are users going to expect to use technology? And how wireless plays a role in those technologies, and therefore distilling that from tops down to look into the needs of the different experience from a wireless perspective. And we did this exercise a few years ago internally, but also we discussing with partners outside, trying to validate some of our assumptions, you know, validate some of our um, you know use cases and trends. And that process, of course, maps to various technologies, you know, not just Wi-Fi. Users have Wi-Fi for data, but they use Bluetooth for voice, and they use wireless WAN for if they're outdoors. So there is really a broad spectrum how it's mapped. Even Ethernet, if your uh, device happens to be connected over Ethernet. So we've done that exercise and, of course, a piece of it comes from a Wi-Fi perspective, what we need to do better. And so as we look into the future, in this case, you know, after Wi-Fi 7, I think it's easy to imagine that we're going to be a Wi-Fi 8. There are certain areas that I think that are really important for us to be working on to be able to deliver to some of those experiences, some of those trends that we identified early on. Number one, Wi-Fi 7 was the first step 
towards deterministic operations that we just talked about in the last question. There is so much more we can do in that space. There are so many other usages and applications that, yes, with Wi-Fi 7, with that modeling operation, we can really step into those other segments to be, to be able to offer some guarantees of low latencies. But I can tell you that latency improvement, in other words, be able to reduce latency to be able to offer better guarantees for that reduced latency. There are so many things that we can do at the physical layer, those are terms, that we can offer better guarantees. And don't forget, I think it's really important for the audience to understand, Wi-Fi operates in unlicensed spectrum, that spectrum that other users can also operate. This is not dedicated spectrum for Wi-Fi. We can have Bluetooth operating there in 2.4 gigahertz, and there's discussions that Bluetooth is also going to be operating the higher bands. And there are other technologies, so ultra-wide band that operates in 6 gigahertz. And so... There are many other users of the spectrum and even incumbent users when you talk about 5 and 6 gigahertz. So the point being that with Wi-Fi 7, we are making that first step towards a deterministic operation, but there's so much more that we can do. So you will see improvements on deterministic operation and aspects of latency that will be really, really important to be able to better support, to be able to better cater to those use cases that need that type of operation. The other aspect that I think it's really noteworthy and I wanted to comment on is we talk about access points today, but just if you take a step back, for example, can you think about how many access points you have in your house today and how many access points you have in an enterprise today? I mean, at least in my house, I mean, because I'm a geeky, you know, I have four access points because, you know, I, I, my, you know, my son wants great connectivity, so I have to place one close to him. And we have these mesh systems that are being deployed in houses today. There are many houses now that have these mesh systems and with multiple access points to provide home home coverage. Or you have an enterprise, how many access points in an enterprise? But when you look at it from the Wi-Fi perspective, these access points, they all act independently of each other. There no, there's no coordination. There's some soft coordination or perhaps, say, if you go to an enterprise today with all those access points, yes, you do have a control, right? A wireless link controller in the infrastructure. That offers some level of non-real-time control, meaning I can place this access point on this channel, I can place this access point on this channel, I can set a transmit power, but there's some knobs that you can control, but this is not a real-time control, right? On a real-time level, as packets are being transmitted, these packets and these access points, if they're not coordinated, they can be called causing collision, right? And then switches from one act to the other network, they can be colliding with each other, or you cannot be achieving the best spectrum efficiency because you have these multiple access points that are not really coordinating at a more fine granular level. When I say fine granular, I'm really talking about in the level of even single transmissions, not really in this coarse manner that is done today. And so what you're going to see also in Wi-Fi, in the next Wi-Fi generation, I think you're going to see is what we call multi-access point coordination. These access points now, they're going to be coordinating with each other. With Wi-Fi 8, we're going to see this coordination. And I think, you know, together with this multi-access point coordination, what is coordination is done in time, in frequency and space, and these mechanisms for better latency, more predictable latency. And you know, there are so many other things, by the way, that are that go under these umbrellas. But I would say, just I think for the audience right now, I would just focus on these two major topics that I think are going to be big topics for the next generation of Wi-Fi. And there are tons of technical features that are going to be developed to deliver to these capabilities.